You gotta give us some good news. Yeah. Welcome, Destination Devi listeners. This is Jeff Mueller, Doctor of Physical Therapy, your host for the Destination Devi Injuries Pod. I'm very excited to once again provide you injury updates and intel for this upcoming season. My aim is to add even more data to back up plays for injuries. And by data, I don't necessarily mean injury-related data, uh, because I think that data can easily be taken out of context, and it's important to account for each individual situation, each player's situation for injury, which is where my clinical expertise comes in and separates my advice from some of the other injury recommendations that are out there. But I also want to provide more meaningful data as the season comes into play in regards to specific players and their usage and how those players could potentially be used if they are playing injured, such as Mike Evans. Like if he were to be playing through an injury, we would still like his chances of producing for fantasy due to usage in high value situations like third downs, red zone work. Even if he's on limited snaps, he's basically giving you high value touches um, and a chance for higher production for fantasy. So if a player's ceiling might be lower due to less snap or route volume, trying to identify essentially what they're worth and if they're worth the risk with potential high-value touches still. So that's my aim for this season, adding that into my analysis. I'm actually coming off of last year with an 86% accuracy or hit rate from week 1 through week 17 last year, meaning 86% of the time I made the right call on starting an injured player and them hitting at least running back two numbers or wide receiver two numbers for fantasy or the right call on sitting a player who scored lower than running back two or wide receiver two numbers and wouldn't have given you a weak winning production. So 86% is actually pretty absurd when it comes to injuries. Most others uh, I was tracking last year, most others were in like the low 80s or even in the 70s. But my own personal goal is to get up to 90% and make you guys money. We'll have some DFS implications as well, including here. I know a lot of you guys here in Destination Devi love DFS, love betting. I do too. I already do it for myself, so might as well implement that uh, into some of the costs for DFS and injury-related news. All right, well, we've already dealt with some key injuries throughout preseason, even the first game in the season. As you guys know, you know, Travis Kelsey was ruled out with a hyperextended knee, uh, bone bruise just two days prior to the game. And then at least we saw Amon Ross St. Brown play without limitations and looking really good coming off of the right ankle sprain. Uh, some of you guys saw my posts on Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, he, he popped up on pra- in practice a couple weeks ago with a right ankle sprain, and it was actually limiting. Um, it, was, it, it kept him out of practice for a couple of weeks. And I still had that thought, you know, last year he dealt with a little high ankle sprain on the right side, never had tightrope procedure, never needed it. But any time you see kind of a recurrent ankle sprain like that, you always wonder, especially when there's a past high ankle sprain, okay, what's, what's really going on? Is it going to limit him? He was moving great. He, he didn't look limited in his movement at all. Linear, nonlinear, no limitations. And obviously he scored, uh, I think, 17 points or 18 points. So... That was great to see for week one. Uh, There have been some other little surprises as the week has gone on, so I'll do my best to guide you through these injuries and give you the key intel that you need to know leading up to having to lock your starting rosters on Sunday morning. All right, let's dive in. So at quarterback, Joe Burrow, he had been dealing with that calf strain, suffered July 27th. He missed five weeks of practice, then returned with one and a half weeks to practice before game one. 
he wasn't wearing a compression sleeve that whole um, once he returned over the last week and a half and had noticeably been moving well. Beat writers had even said he's looking great, uh, despite still being listed as limited. Zach Taylor has already said he is going to play. There is low re-injury concern here, below 10% re-injury risk, and I don't believe there is much of a production dip to be expected, uh, especially this far out from his injury. The only change I would expect for Joe Burrow is I would, especially with how conservative Zach Taylor is, I would expect the Bengals to, if they get into goal line situations, probably lean more on Joe Mixon. Maybe they throw it, but probably at least lean more on Joe Mixon versus attempting a Joe Burrow quarterback sneak or something like that to where they can limit how much overall force or torque essentially push-off is going through his calf in those kinds of situations. So uh, maybe a little less rushing production from Joe Burrow, but overall I'm not concerned. You, he's, he's active, you start him, simple as that. He should provide his top five ceiling still. At running back, Kenneth Walker, he popped up again with a little groin strain issue. Uh, he had been been dealing with a groin strain that kept him out for a couple weeks in practice in early August. He returned to full participation for several weeks, but then popped up on Thursday, this Thursday, with a limited practice uh, labeled with groin. So obviously, you know, especially anytime you know, ah, that, that player dealt with a groin strain already. Is this a re-injury? Is it kind of like a George Kittle situation? Apparently, he's good to go. He actually was fully removed off of the injury report on Friday and got a full participation in. So I don't know if he just felt tightness or soreness or whatever it was. Obviously, the Seahawks aren't necessarily concerned about him, at least from at least on paper, right? Um, we just never know what to expect from Pete Carroll. Now, so especially since Pete Carroll has talked about wanting to keep Walker healthy throughout the entire season and taking into account this this matchup that they have, a little cakewalk matchup against the Rams. If you look at the Rams' defense, outside of Aaron Donald, they, they're going to be atrocious, right? So there is the chance that the Seahawks might not need Walker very much and still secure a win. However, you could still argue the flip side. Essentially, uh, you know, with how efficient Walker was last year per touch on a per touch basis, the groin strain shouldn't theoretically stop him in that sense or limit him in that sense on a per touch basis. But because of an, an easy cake, ma- cake uh, matchup, it would be very tough to sit him, considering the odds of him scoring as a running back two in fantasy are fairly high. I, I wouldn't expect him to receive very much receiving work, but again, he could get 60, 70 yards and a touchdown, and then he pays off for you, right? So monitor for any other reports for him or on him on Sunday morning, but I do think that you can somewhat safely play Walker and hope he gets the goal line work still over Zach Charbonnet. Um, starting lineups, I would be fine starting him as you're running back two or flex play. For DFS purposes, I would pivot away from Walker, especially looking at some of the cheaper options. Uh, you know, Cam, Cam Akers is slightly more than he is, but uh, other options, you know, I would even prefer Javonta Williams. I'll talk on Javonta Williams in a minute. Um, but Williams, I would prefer Rashad White, Miles Sanders even. even You guys know I don't like Miles Sanders, but projected volume. I'd be very tempted to take Miles Sanders over Walker for, D, for DFS. Uh, Cam Akers, like I said, and Raheem Mostert, obviously. Those types of running backs, due to their projected workload and receiving upside, I would be fine taking over Walker in DFS. Now, Javonta Williams, while it 
while it seems to go against the ACL data that has been thrown at, around out there, I am actually recommending that you start Javonta Williams this week against the Raiders, who are widely regarded as a bottom five defense in almost every metric, despite having Max Crosby, right? He's, he's really the main guy. They, they got Tyree Wilson, I think his last name is. Um, but again, he's a rookie. This defense is going to be terrible. Here's the bottom line. There's been some data thrown around saying that these year one post-ACL running backs are approximately 65% healthy uh, for the start of the season in regards to health and efficiency per touch. My problem with the data is that it has grouped a wide variety of running backs coming off of ACL and does not take into account the individual player and the individual role that that player is projected to play which is exactly why I personally have a difference of opinion on Javonta Williams compared to most other injury analysts for week one for early season production and also have a difference personally between how I'm viewing Javonta Williams for week one and how I'm viewing Brees Hall for week one. And I'll touch on Brees Hall in a minute. Sean Payton has already said that Javonta Williams will be given a big role. And while most people will say, well, wait, 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 that's coach speak. You can't trust coach, coach speak. Just look at preseason week two right? Just just look at the indicators and then look at what the beat writers have been saying all along about Javonta Williams' usage in practice. We were given the first indicator of that role in preseason week two when Williams had a 56% snap rate, a 44% touch rate, and a, an absurd 62.5% target per route run rate in his time spent with the starters in his first game back coming off this severe ACL tear, right? No, everyone thought he would get maybe two or three touches, four or six touches, whatever. He, he had a, a huge workload, and they didn't limit him at all. Now, was it a small sample? Yes. But was it his very first game action back coming off of the ACL, which typically coaches limit their players' volumes? Yes. And he was, limit, and he was not limited at all. The reason I'm high on Williams for early season production is because while I expect some some rushing production efficiency regression on a per-touch basis, that's, that's just on paper, that's very likely to happen, and that's what I think most of the data points to is the rushing aspect. I do believe um, they will provide him with high-value targets and high-value touches for fantasy purposes, meaning his usage in the receiving game. He was even lined up in that preseason week two, he was even lined up as a wide receiver. And then we know, you know, Jerry Judy is injured. They're, they're struggling at wide receiver here. They're probably going to use Javante Williams as a receiver here, and he's going to get some, some targets. So I, I, wouldn't nearly, I wouldn't be nearly as excited about him if he was just projected a rushing role. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this with Brees Hall, but I am excited about Javante Williams because he is projected that receiving role. And Sean Payton, we know how he's going to use his running backs. Plus, he's also projected to receive early goal line work. So you're telling me this guy, Javante Williams, he's projected to get a big role week one. And those and that role is going to be probably at least 50% of the snaps, probably at least 50% of the volume split with Samaji Pirine. But the split in volume is Javante Williams receiving high-value targets, receiving work, and high-value goal line work. I'll, I'll take that. This is why I, I personally have Javante Williams projected to score in the 13 to 17 point range with further upside if he scores one or two touchdowns, right? He's, he's probably going to score at least 11, 12, 13 points this week uh, and probably at least score as a running back too. So given this, given this projected workload. 
That's why I would start him week one, and I'm starting Javante Williams over Samaj P. Ryan as well. Now, switching the conversation here, Brees Hall, he is someone I'm not as high on for week one production compared to Javante Williams, even though they're in similar situations, because differing from Sean Payton, Robert Sala has already said, has already stated that they will be limiting Hall's early volume and easing him in, which has been the typical method of the Jets regime, right? So looking, looking at past injuries, the Jets do limit their players. So, so while I don't think Sean Payton gives a crap about how he's going to throw Javante Williams into the, into the game, into the field, I think the Jets do care about how much they use Brees Hall early on. Uh, so I, I don't anticipate Hall receiving majority of the running back target share either or receiving down usage. Uh, I expect that to be a split more between Dalvin Cook and Michael Carter. And then I also don't expect Hall to receive the goal line work. I expect that to also go to Dalvin Cook. But but probably with, with goal line work, again, Dalvin Cook's only practiced with the team for about a week and a half. So that that goal line work could also go to Michael Carter. As gross as that sounds, I, I don't I don't want to touch, I don't want to start Michael Carter at all, but just knowing the Jets and how they trust their running backs, Michael Carter has been in the scheme. This is his second year. He knows the plays. He knows the, or actually third year. Um, he knows what that's going to be like down in the goal line. He's probably going to give them the better chance to score, considering Dalvin Cook hasn't practiced very much with the team. So I, I don't have Brees Hoff projected for a big role early on. And he's more along the lines of four to seven points for week one as he's eased in compared to what is projected in the role for Javonta Williams. So that's the big difference. That's why I would say, even though both are in year one ACL, I would start Javonta Williams for week one and I would sit Brees Hall for week one. And I hope that I'm not getting pulled astray from the coach speak here. Now, uh, Brees Hall I do expect, even though they're going to ease him in, I do expect him to get the training wheels taken off by week four, five, six. Uh, he's just going to be eased in here. Kendry Miller for the Saints. Uh, he's been dealing with a hamstring strain since August 30th. He didn't practice at all this week, yet somehow he was listed as questionable for week one. I, I don't think he suits up. I, I think the Saints are probably hoping he suits up just because at running back, they really just have Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill, and then Kirk Merritt. So Taysom Hill is essentially a, a quarterback offensive utility weapon, and Kirk Merritt is a wide receiver who's converted to running back. So they don't really have a running back, too. Um, so I think they're they're holding out hope that Miller will play. I don't think he plays. Even if he plays, I, you can't start Kendry Miller um, in this week one. I would avoid him for DFS, too. But I think all this means is I would anticipate a massive role for Jamal Williams. And Jamal Williams, I, I think you need to start him as a running back two for starting rosters. And then DFS, he's a pretty cheap, he's in that mid-range tier, pretty cheap option uh, to load up on higher, more expensive tight end or wide receivers and then get a cheaper high upside or at least safe volume play like Jamal Williams. I, I've actually loved pairing Jamal Williams with Raheem Moster and loading up on wide receiver. Uh, Devon A-Train, A-Chain, AC Sprain, uh, he was a full participant and will practice or, or will play this week, but I would strongly recommend sitting him in fantasy and avoiding in D DFS. I, as I've stated before, I love Raheem Mostert. Mostert's going to be probably a top play for most people. He, he gets a, a really good matchup against the Chargers. 
Um, Miami's offensive scheme should thrive really well, especially for most of the running backs uh, against this Chargers defense. But A-Chain, I think, especially coming off of the injury, um, I would expect him to get somewhere between four to eight touches and not necessarily high-value touches, maybe two to three uh, receptions. But the the projection has Raheem Mostert as running back one and Salvin uh, or Salvan uh, Ahmed as running back two. So A-Chain, I, I think he'll get there throughout the season. Obviously, don't drop him. Uh, you know, this is more so for Dynasty, though. But redraft leagues, don't just drop him if, if you have him. Uh, but for Dynasty, just be patient with him. He's, he's going to take time, especially coming off this injury. Uh, Mike McDaniel has to be able to trust him. He's going to get a little bit of work each game and then just slowly ease his way into more earning more touches. But for week one, just avoid him. Zach Moss, he's coming off of the forearm fracture uh, surgery about six weeks ago. He was limited all three days of practice. He has been listed as questionable. I do believe there is a chance that Moss starts, but early on head coach Shane Steichen had been indicating that Deion Jackson would likely start at running back. If Moss starts, I, I wouldn't even consider playing him in any leagues, even DFS. Uh, and if he's active, I, I would hesitate to even consider Deion Jackson as a start anywhere since that'll likely turn into a messy committee for game one, plus with a rookie quarterback. Uh, if Moss is inactive, I think it puts Deion Jackson on the map to consider at least as like a, a deep league flex option or a, a really cheap DFS play if you need to find a cheap fill-in um, that potentially gets a decent amount of volume. But really the only Colts player I want for week one is Anthony Richardson. You know, I guess you have to consider Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman's more like a wide receiver, low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four, in my opinion, until we see Anthony Richardson play with him. Um, I think they're just going to need to take some reps and time to build really good rapport and be production, uh, be fantasy viable, at least. But for these running backs, I would I would recommend if Moss plays, probably avoid them all. If Moss is inactive, at least consider Deion Jackson just as a deep league flex or cheap, cheap DFS play. At wide receiver, Jalen Waddell, uh, he had been coming off the rib, bruised ribs uh, after landing on a ball. I know the injury it was kind of mysterious, but uh, you know we know there's no fracture. We would have heard that early on. Um, it was listed as a midsection oblique, but it's just bruised ribs. He's fully good to go. He has said for two weeks now he's healthy. They're just being conservative with him. He expects to play. He's going to play, so no concern here. Terry McLaurin, he was dealing with a turf toe injury. He is actually, he is surprisingly off of the injury report. He suffered his injury on August 21st and then was actually in a boot until August 29th and has been able to practice over the last week and a half without issue. Although I saw a video of him, it does look like he's slightly struggling to fully push off. He, he looks like he's slightly favoring his right foot still, right big toe. That's where a lot of his torque is going to come from. Um... But I, I, so for McLaurin, I, I think you can consider him a strong flex play or wide receiver three play, especially given the matchup against Arizona. Just know that there's around a 10 to 15% re-injury risk and a projected 10% production dip, especially if he does struggle to push off of his right foot. You know, that, that could potentially limit him in his route running, cuts, etc. cetera. Uh, but still, I'd consider McLaurin as a fine play, uh, wide receiver three, flex play due to the matchup. Um, Jahan Dotson though remains probably my top play out of Washington um, because I, I still project him for uh, to be Sam Howell's primary target um, against especially since they've had this time to work together 
Uh, we saw in the preseason after McLaurin went out with injury, you know, Howell fired off five straight targets to Jahan Dotson. So I just think from a from a DFS standpoint, it, I mean, really, and a, a starter league standpoint, I think Dotson provides you a safer floor with less re-injury risk than McLaurin would and a higher ceiling as well. So if you have both, I would lean Dotson over McLaurin, but I think both are fine plays. Traylon Burks, he had dealt with an LCL sprain, uh, I believe August 16th or 14th, I think 16th. Burks surprisingly wound up being a fully removed from the injury report and was a full participant in practice. I do like his overall matchup. Um, it, it's it's actually a sneaky good defense. The, the cornerbacks are graded fairly well, even with uh, Marshawn Lattimore out or likely out. But I do like his overall matchup, especially considering DeAndre Hopkins likely draws the top coverage leaving Burks to fight weaker coverage for volume. I, I like Burks as a flex play, wide receiver three option, but below where McLaurin is for me. So if you happen to have McLaurin and Burks on the same team, I think I would rather play McLaurin. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Raheem Mostert would also be another decent pivot Like if you're, if you're looking at those guys for a flex play. I would avoid Burks in DFS lineups, just given the risk for re-injury there, and then overall potential volume risk, just in case, you know, DeAndre Hopkins does just wind up getting 15 targets and Burks gets four or five, or gets re-injured. Marquise Brown, he's been dealing with a hamstring strain, limited all three days out of the practice out of the practice week, and he's listed as questionable. I'm fully avoiding Marquise Brown in week one. Mixture of re-injury risk in-game coming off the hamstring strain, and then you know, the Cardinals are likely starting Josh Dobbs at quarterback. I, there's just not a big ceiling. I, I just prefer to sit Marquise Brown for his inevitable five reception, 35 yard game. Um, and then with the potential risk of getting re-injured. So there are just so many better higher ceiling options to choose from. So I would recommend avoiding Marquise Brown due to the re-injury risk and then bad offense risk. I, I pray that Marquise Brown gets traded. Jackson Smith, Najigba, he's coming off the wrist, fracture, and surgery. Probably one of the wide receivers I'm most excited to watch play in week one, but least excited to start for fantasy in week one. Um, I'm very happy he's returned from his wrist fracture this, this quickly, but a couple of variables here that I'm considering, especially for fading him, both in starting leagues and DFS entries, while he should have low re-injury risk coming off of the fracture surgery, he will likely still be wearing a brace and then potentially plays limited snaps uh, as the second variable. And then third variable, he will likely still remain behind Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in the pecking order this early on. So it is an easy matchup, a relatively easy matchup against the Rams, but I would just recommend, we don't know how much he's going to play. We don't know when he plays. We don't know how much volume he'll really get. I'm kind of projecting Tyler Lockett to be the main guy here in this matchup. Um, I hope JSN does really well in his first NFL game. I'm a huge fan of his. I would love to see him succeed right off the bat. And it's awesome that he came back this quickly. But um, yeah, for for fantasy purposes, I don't think it's worth the risk of starting him this week. Odell Beckham, he had been dealing with an ankle sprain, very mild. Reportedly, he is fully good to go. Uh, The ankle shouldn't be an issue for him after he popped up late on the injury report on Thursday. Uh, But then he did get a full practice in on Friday and... Uh, Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh has already said he's good to go. So especially with Mark Andrews anticipated to be limited, if active at all, I, I actually really like Odell Beckham. Uh, I think he's a smash play as a cheap 
DFS play or a deep league flex option, smash play against the Houston Texans, against this defense. I, I think Odell Beckham could very well lead the Ravens in, in receiving this week. I know Lamar Jackson has hyped up Rashad Bateman, say Flowers, um, but that rapport is real for OBJ. Uh, and and just seeing him move throughout camp, you know, he's he has a, any lost – uh, acceleration, speed, athleticism, any lost athleticism, I think he's going to make up in technique. He's a tactician as a wide receiver. He knows the tricks. He knows how to get open. He's going to be a, a, a really good target for Lamar Jackson. Carolina Panthers wide receivers, uh, DJ Chark has been ruled out with a hamstring strain, and his injury could take another week or two. Uh, Adam Thielen, he is listed as questionable with an ankle sprain. Uh, he was limited all three days out of the practice. I'm personally avoiding Thielen, mixture of due to re-injury risk, uh, but plus also he's likely going to see A.J. Terrell in coverage, top coverage. I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really not wanting to start any Carolina players this week. I'm at least considering Hayden Hurst as a cheap tight end option for DFS. Um, like on DraftKings, I think Hayden Hurst was going for 3000 But again, like Isaiah Likely is going as 3000 as well, or Luke Musgrave's going as 2900 So I, I'd personally prefer to just... You know, maybe I consider Hayden Hurst if I need that cheap tight end option. I'd prefer to stay away from the majority of the rest of the Carolina, even Miles Sanders. Sanders is projected to get a decent role, but this Panthers offensive line looks absolutely atrocious. Um, and I, I just expect Atlanta's defense to dominate. So I'm avoiding Adam Thielen due to re-injury risk, but I, I'm at least considering Hayden Hurst here. Jerry Judy, he's been dealing with a hamstring strain. He surprisingly did return to practice, although mostly it was individual drills and warm-ups. He's not really fully practicing out there. In fact, he was listed as a limited participant all three days like throughout the whole week. Um, I, I don't think Judy will play. It's just too early. He's only two and a half weeks out from his hamstring injury, and it was a moderate-grade strain. If, if he were to go back, I mean, they're, they're running the risk. If, if Judy is active... And he winds up if if they if they list Jerry Judy as active, you're running the risk of a T Higgins like re injury um, where pregame you know all of a sudden hey Judy's actually not going to play he's active but he's we're not going to play him at all and he snaps and then he's stuck in your starting roster and he gave you zero to four points on the week so with the re injury risk he he has like a fifteen to twenty percent re injury risk if he comes back this early plus an expected production dip. Uh, coming back this early, the risk is just not worth it. He's not going to give you a high ceiling if he plays. Um, I, so I would just find somebody else to play, even if he's active. Um, I do like Marvin Mims as a deep league flex play, considering they play the Raiders. It's a decent matchup. Uh, again, the Raiders are projected to have a bottom five defense, especially their secondary. But I do really like Corton Sutton at cost. Feels gross to say, but especially for DFS at cost, if he really does operate in the Michael Thomas-like role. I, I, I think my, I think Cortland Sutton provides at least wide, re- wide receiver three production, if not wide receiver two upside um, or low-end wide receiver one upside if he's getting that like high-volume slant work, probably gets some red zone t- uh, targets, high-value targets there. If he gets a touchdown, he we might be looking at Cortland Sutton and seeing, oh, he was wide receiver 11 on the week, you know. So... Sort of like Marvin Mims as a deep league, deep league flex play, but I really like Cortland Sutton as a cheap, especially cheap DFS play. 
Christian Watson, he's coming off a hamstring strain. He's already been ruled out. Um, this has actually been labeled as a week-to-week injury. He came into the season as one of my highest injury risk players out there, yet at one point he cost wide receiver 22 uh, ADP costs, which is just absurd. Hard pass on that. Um, I, If you have Christian Watson, I wouldn't anticipate him being ready at least for the next couple weeks. And then once he does, kind of similar to the Jerry Judy situation, once he does come back, expect a 10 to 15% production dip with re-injury risk. So you're, you're looking at, you're likely without Jerry Judy for another couple weeks for fantasy purposes, maybe even he plays. You're likely without Christian Watson availability-wise for a couple weeks and then production-wise for fantasy probably through week five, six. So just a, a little rough stretch, especially if you bought Christian Watson at cost. That's, uh, that sucks. Romeo Dobbs, he's also dealing with a hamstring strain. It does sound like Dobbs has a chance to suit up despite only getting one limited practice in. But given the proximity of its injury only one and a half weeks ago and the re-injury risk upon return to play, plus the low ceiling metrics of Jordan Love's quarterback play, Jordan Love is not good. I don't care what people say. He's not good. They're going to dink and dunk you know, his passes. They're going to be low-value targets, right? There's, n- there's not much upside there. Um, so I would be avoiding Dobbs and fantasy, taking that into account plus re-injury risk, and I'm for sure avoiding him in DFS. He just doesn't provide, he, he, this kind of profile doesn't provide a high ceiling that you want in DFS. It's just not worth it. Uh, the Packers I would consider this week are Aaron Jones, and then if I really needed a, a cheap tight end option, Luke Musgrave. I don't love Luke Musgrave. The 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 matchup is pretty good against the Bears, but... He's a rookie tight end. I mean, even Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta looked phenomenal, uh, and his usage was near elite, like tight end one usage. Um, and he put up five receptions for thirty nine yards or something like that. So, I, I don't love Luke Musgrave, but if you really need that cheap option, I think he's uh, twenty nine hundred on on DraftKings. I'm not sure on what else though. Uh, at tight end, so yeah, talked about Luke Musgrave. He gets a little boost just with Watson out and Dobbs hurt. Uh, other tight ends, Darren Waller, he uh, unfortunately popped up on Friday with a hamstring strain or hamstring tightness. So late week additions to the injury report are never good, but this one's a little tricky to navigate, and this type of situation is exactly why I do what I do. I, I'm, I'm hoping to help you guys here on this one. So digging into more news, it sounds like Waller simply felt tightness in his hamstring versus a true strain or irritation. Now, that can be a precursor to a future strain, but it actually could be good news in terms of fantasy production for week one, including his availability for week one. The main downside here is that, well, (laughs) I should say the main downside is his past history of hamstring injuries, obviously, his past injury history. But the main downside here is that the Giants play the night game on Sunday night. So you need to be wise with your decision-making on this one because if, if you, you, you really only want to wait and see on Darren Waller, on his availability, if you have the option to stash, stash backup options like Jake Ferguson, Daniel Bellinger, Dawson Knox, Tyler Conklin, and maybe even Dalton Kincaid, even though Dalton, even though Knox and Kincaid likely limit each other, at least have those options to play because those are the late game Sunday night games or Monday night game, right? So you could play the wait and see approach if Waller winds up being active, 
Um, the Giants have actually already reported that they hope that Waller plays. My guess is they reassess how he's doing tomorrow. How does the hamstring feel? Test it out. Is there any soreness, lingering tightness? Maybe it was just a little tight, a little sore yesterday, and it just goes away, right? It's, it's a little irritation, kind of like uh, Kenneth Walker with his groin. Pops up one day, and then he's fine. So lo- watch for that Saturday, Sunday morning. Watch for those reports. Um, if you have a good pivot, if we, if we don't hear that news, sometimes we hear that news later on, like, like uh, an hour and a half before the game actually starts, which is troubling if you don't have any of those late game or Monday night pivot options. If we don't hear anything Sunday morning, have a good pivot in place for the AM slate. Like if you have, obviously, David Njoku, Isaiah Likely, Chiga Conquo, uh, Juwan Johnson, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, those are all guys who could wind up seeing at least safe volume, safe safe touches. Uh, then I would consider playing that pivot just as a relatively safe point in your starting roster versus just kind of hoping Darren Waller plays. Because you just never know. Um, and then, and then if Waller winds up being active, it's like, okay, great. I, I played the safe play. Uh, maybe they get you seven points, eight points. Even if Waller plays, maybe Waller gets you, you know, more, uh, 10, 12, but with re-injury risk, it, at least you had a safe amount of points versus having no option later on if Waller's inactive. Mark Andrews, he's been dealing with a quad strain. Uh, speaking of Isaiah likely, so Andrews has been limited with his quad injury for the bout for the last two weeks, or actually three weeks. And he recently told reporters in an interview, it has been kind of tricky to to treat this or navigate this. He didn't necessarily look like he was moving at 100%. Um, so pairing that, pairing what I saw on video and pairing what he was talking about where this injury feels kind of tricky, I, I'm just kind of wondering, I have this gut feeling that he's actually not even going to play, or if he does play, he's going to be very limited. And other reasons for that is just the fact that they're playing Houston. And Baltimore's defense is going to tear Houston apart, right? Houston has three offensive line starters out and a rookie quarterback starting, right? So, and that's another reason I'm fading Damian Pierce this week, by the way, but that's that's another story. He's not injured, but the offensive line is just battered. So the Ravens offense, they, they could find themselves in a very run-heavy script, a positive run game script, Huge boost to J.K. Dobbins, also a great DFS play. Um, But this situation with Mark Andrews nursing this injury, we know John Harbaugh is going to favor long-term health, and Isaiah likely is a very capable fill-in at tight end. So I I, I could really see this situation playing out where Andrews maybe plays, maybe he's limited, but he only plays like 30, 40 snaps, and then Isaiah likely just plays the rest of the game. And you're stuck with four, six points from Mark Andrews. The troubling part is if Andrews plays, you also have to account for the fact that, one, this is a terrible, terrible team in Houston. They have a great matchup, even on defense. And if Andrews does play, even if he's limited, kind of like what I talked about with other guys uh, earlier, Andrews is going to be used in those high-value situations, especially in the red zone. So even if he gets, maybe, maybe he gets two or three catches for 20 or 30 yards, but a high chance for a touchdown because he's used in the red zone. Right, so you're kind of banking on touchdown booing his uh, being a buoy for his fantasy production, but it might be worth it. And someone like Mark Andrews, if he's kind of like what I said with Travis Kelsey, like if he winds up being active, you just can't sit him. So just consider that. But if you have a if you if you do have a really good pivot, like a David Njoku, a uh, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if Pat Fryermuth is a good pivot because they play the Niners, and that's a tough defense, especially against tight ends. Uh, but if you have other good, decent pivots, at least consider it. But Mark Andrews is going to be a tough one to sit. If Mark Andrews is out, Isaiah likely gives you top five upside easily. George Kittle, another. Speaking of another boomer bust tight end option for Week One, he's coming off a groin injury, suffered I believe on August 9th or early August. And then he actually re-injured it. Uh, report came out that he was dealing with a little setback on August 28th. So, and, and that whole week he was limited. Well, this week he was limited all uh, days of practice this week. And it sounds like he's truly a 50-50 to play. Similar situation to Mark Andrews. If Kittle plays, you're, you're going to have a really hard time benching him, right? Um, but we have seen Kittle play. Like, if you're taking both of these guys into account, Mark Andrews and George Kittle, I would rather play Mark Andrews over George Kittle from the sense of we've seen Kittle play injured, but he doesn't, even when he's injured, he doesn't get as many high-value opportunities and less chances of touchdowns, right? Even even though he had that great rapport with Brock Purdy, he just doesn't get as many of those uh, high-value opportunities on limited snaps. So... If Kittle plays, I could see him being the kind of guy who gets stuck with two catches for 25 yards and no touchdown. So I would prepare, you know, if, if we get, if we hear out of the 49ers camp that, uh, you know, Kittle's expected to play, not limited, et cetera, okay, play him. But at least have a really good pivot prepared just in case you need a backup option. I have a gut feeling that he's not going to play. Uh, Travis Kelsey, that's, that's actually it for the week one injuries, but I wanted to touch on Travis Kelsey just for moving forward. As you guys know, he dealt with a hyperextension, uh, of the knee, a bone bruise injury. Um, he has 10 days to be ready for week two, which I do believe does give him a decent chance to be active for week two. It all just depends on how quickly he can get his swelling down. And then there was a report saying that they tested him in the pool. He didn't really have much power. Uh, he couldn't really push off his leg. It's probably pretty painful. But again, they tested him like two days after the injury occurred. And bone bruises just, it, it was never realistic for him to potentially play two days after the injury. They just don't heal that quickly. So um, I, I could see in a week they retest him and he's actually doing pretty well. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays week two. Um, for sure, if he's not ready for week two, I think for sure week three he'll be ready. Uh, but once he's active, don't get cute with it. Once he's active, he, you play him. Um, you can play through a bone bruise. It's just painful. You have to manage swelling afterwards, but he'd be fine with a, with a, with a very um, low chance of any production dip uh, from this injury. So uh, before I sign off, I just want to give you a couple of my favorite DFS plays impacted by some of these injuries. Jahan Dotson with the Sam Howell stack, this Arizona defense, is dealing with injuries as well, and they already suck. So that's a great play. Um, I know DraftKings, Sam Howell is 4900 at quarterback, one of the cheaper options, and he has rushing upside. And then Jahan Dotson is 5000 so great options. Hayden Hurst, 3000 on DraftKings. Uh, again, if you need a, a decent uh, potential high-volume high tight end cheap option, I wouldn't be surprised if he leads Carolina in, in targets this week. Um, if Thielen is limited or doesn't play, it'll probably be Mingo or Hurst. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just going to be a tough game for Carolina. Luke Musgrave, don't love him, but, uh, you know, you're banking on a rookie tight end, but again, Bears defense, he's 2,900. Isaiah Likely, I think I like him even more than Musgrave just because 
even with Andrews active, he provides you some standalone value, but then if Andrews is limited or if Andrews doesn't play, likely costs 3000 same as Hayden Hurst, but he provides top five upside. Raheem Mostert, he's only 5400 Uh Great matchup against the Chargers. Great matchup for that Miami offense, and he's projected the running back one role. J.K. Dobbins, I'm projecting him to have a massive week one. Houston is dealing with injuries. Again, the offensive line. Baltimore's defense should just crush Houston. So I think Baltimore winds up being in a, a run-heavy um, game script here. Jamal Williams, really love him as a volume play. Probably doesn't give you much PPR upside, but kind of like a David Montgomery 20 20 rush attempts, 70 yards, touchdown. Uh, there's not really a good running back behind Jamal Williams. I don't expect Kendry Miller to play. Taysom Hill probably takes some touches. Hopefully not the goal line work. Give that to Jamal Williams. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I love him as a cheap play. I, I believe he's 5,000 as well. I don't anticipate Jerry Judy playing. I think Cortland Sutton winds up being Denver's wide receiver one, a heavy target for Russell Wilson against this Raiders' atrocious defense. And then Tyler Lockett, Love him as a play. Um, actually, on prize picks, I got him when he was 59.5 yards. I took the over. I think he's at 62 still, 62.5 uh, against the Rams. Even with JSN active, I still love that line for Tyler Lockett. All right, that covers all main injuries this week. If you have any questions, please reach out in the Destination Devi Players Injuries channel. Follow me on Twitter or X at JMThrivePT for live updates as any injuries occur. And again, if you enjoy the content, please retweet share on Twitter. Thank you. Good luck. Hope you guys get week one wins and go crush it in DFS.